Amen. Well, thank you, worship team, for leading us. So we are in week two of our four-week series uh, called As We Go, and we're talking about sharing the good news of Jesus with others. So uh, we're going to do something a little bit later that's kind of unique. You see a little slip of paper either in your seat or the seat next to you. So go ahead and uh, grab that. If you want to take sermon notes on the back of it, you can, all right? But don't fill it out yet, okay? So don't do what it says at the top. Don't fill it out yet. Uh, And then grab a pen. There should be one uh, maybe in a chair in front of you tucked into the pocket there somewhere on the row in front of you. There's a pen. Uh, Or maybe you have one. Share with a friend if you need to, all right? Well, hey, uh, let's pray. We've got a lot to dig into today. Let's go ahead and pray and ask the Lord to bless his word today. Jesus, we love you and we thank you again for bringing us here. I pray now that your holy word would speak to our hearts, that your Holy Spirit would truly convict us and encourage us and compel us and motivate us, Lord, to be realistic and honest with ourselves about the situation at hand with the gospel and the need for it in our world today and the people you've put in our lives to share with. Help us to see that today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So last week we talked about uh, understanding the situation at hand. And what what we mean by that is there's this great need in the world today. And we talked about what that is. Ultimately, the greatest need in the world is that the human race is separated from God, right? Because of our own sin, because of our own choosing, we have given ourselves through worship and through sacrifice and through love and adoration to other things besides God. And that problem that the Bible defines as sin is what actually separates us from a perfect and holy God. So we also talked about the solution to that problem. The solution is the gospel of Jesus. The solution is turning away from whatever else it is that we have given ourselves to, our allegiance to, our adoration, our love. It's turning away from those things and turning to Christ, right? So the Bible calls that repentance. It means that we turn away from those things and trusting that they will give us peace and hope and security and we turn to Jesus for our ultimate and truly foundational security and peace, eternal life, right? We we turn to him for our love and our adoration because we realize what he's done for us. And it's that gratitude that that compels us to want to love him and to want to serve him and love his people and share his hope with the world. And and that was the third thing we talked about was the plan. So, So we have the need, we have the solution. So what's the plan to get the solution out there? Well, the plan is for the good news to get to the world through the church. That is the plan. Let me say it this way. We, you and I, we are the plan. The plan is that Jesus gave his people the responsibility to take this solution, this great hope, this wonderful message of what he has done for humanity to take it to them to share it with them and talk to them about it, to share Jesus with others. So we kind of started out at the 30,000-foot view last week, and we're going to get more and more practical as we go through this four-week series. You see what I did there, right? As we go? Yeah, okay. So So today, 
we're going to talk about three things. We're going to talk about the concern that we must have, the types of people we may encounter, and lastly, the context in which you and I will end up sharing the gospel. So first of all, let's talk about the concern, the concern we must have. Now, as a society, especially you know, in our American uh, 21st century society, we have no trouble and no hesitancy talking about things that we are concerned about, right? Now, we may be nervous and, and afraid and scared to talk about things that we're not really that concerned about, but let me tell you, if there's something that you think is a big deal, you are 100% going to talk to somebody else about it, right? So we, you know, I pick on Facebook a lot, but it's just so easy, right? So when you, when you get on Facebook and you see your timeline and, and people are sharing things, right? And that's not a bad thing, but, but what are the things that we're sharing? We are sharing news articles and what someone else said and an interesting quote or maybe scripture or whatever. We're, we're sharing things that we think you need to know about, Right? We are sharing things like a personal billboard. Hey, here's what I think you need to be concerned about with me. I'm concerned about this. You need to be concerned about this. So the bulk of our conversations, right, whether it's on social media or at a coffee shop or over lunch with a friend, the bulk of our conversations in life are directed by whatever it is that we are burdened by or concerned about in some way, in the world, in the news, or in our personal lives, even just gossip, right? A lot of us concern ourselves with other people's concerns and how that affects them, and so we feel like we need to tell that. So the point is that we all have things that drive our motivation to speak words of information to other people. We are sharing news, whether it's personal or whatever, we're sharing news and things and messages with people all the time. We have no trouble communicating, and we're not afraid to do it. But Pastor Greg Laurie says, effective sharing of your faith starts with a concern and a burden. In other words, if we are really going to share the hope of Jesus with this world in, an, in the right and good and proper and tactful way, it's got to start with a true concern in your heart. The question then, when it comes to sharing the gospel is, are we concerned enough? Are we concerned enough? Are we burdened enough about people? And specifically, are we burdened and concerned enough about their eternal destination, where they will spend eternity, not just me, but someone else beside me? Am I concerned about my neighbor? Am I concerned about my coworker? Am I concerned about my family member who I know or I'm unsure of that they know Christ? Am I concerned about where they are going to spend eternity? enough to share the hope of Jesus with them. You know, the gospel, the gospel is the only way. The gospel is the only way we can truly learn to care deeply about others and their well-being. So 
the gospel saves us. It's the message that saves, but you know what? It's also the message that's going to continually transform you. You see, the gospel message of what Jesus has done, his death and resurrection, it, it doesn't just save you, it also continues to change you. So the more, as a Christian, that you keep pouring into that message, you press further and further into it to understand how it affects your life and your thought patterns and your behavior and the true allegiances of your heart, right? We start looking at the gospel and what Christ has done, and when we really look at our lives through that practical lens, we start to see how it does affect everything about us and who we are in our innermost being. And so pressing further into that message is going to be the only way that you are humbled enough and compelled enough to give that same message that's transforming you to someone else. And here's what I mean. Paul says it so well, in Philippians 2, verses 3 through 8. This is one of my favorite passages of Scripture because it is so, it, it, it really just paints the whole picture. It tells us, it tells us so well in this summary form of, of the point of Christ coming to earth. Listen to this. He says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Now, there's the concern, right? The concern we should have for our fellow man, our, our fellow neighbor, is, is that we are counting them not equally significant, but Paul says more significant than yourselves. He says, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped or taken advantage of, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the worst kind of death, even death on a cross. So by looking at Christ's example, that he would give up all his privileges and all the riches and glory of heaven, that he would give that up and humble himself as our God, who has the right and the authority to judge us and rule over us from heaven, but he comes to earth, he humbles himself and becomes one of us, in the form of a servant, born into poverty, living a meek and humble life, being ridiculed his whole life, made fun of, and ultimately persecuted and unjustly murdered, Jesus went through all of that so that we wouldn't have to. So that we could live with him for eternity and be reconciled to God. You see, when we look at that example and understanding what he's done for us, that will transform you from only worrying about yourself and your life to being deeply concerned about others and, and them grasping this message and, and believing and trusting in Jesus to be everything they could not be. And, and how? How does that happen? Because when you truly understand what you've been given, 
in light of what you deserve, when you truly understand that it was you in the courtroom that should have been sentenced to death, yet Jesus steps in front of you before God, the Holy Father and judge, and says, take my life instead. Put the punishment on me. When you grasp that and, and you really meditate on that goodness and that truth and, and you learn to love Jesus deeply, it's this gratitude that we develop, the Lord develops inside of us that gives us a true compassion for others. Because when you realize, you realize you're no better than anyone else, right? I mean, that's what the gospel tells us, that the, the ground is level at the foot of the cross, right? No one comes to Jesus a little more ahead of someone else. We are all destined for eternal death without Christ. And so to understand how good the gospel is, we first have to understand how bad the consequence will be for those without it. This is part of what compels us to share. Romans 6.23 tells us that the wages of sin is death. For the wages of sin is death. In other words, the price that all of us must pay for our own separation from God, right, through our own sin is, is death, specifically, specifically an eternal death in a place that the Bible refers to as hell. Now, we don't, we don't talk a lot about hell, specifically in Baptist churches. <clears throat> I think it makes us anxious. It definitely makes us uncomfortable to talk about it. it I think we also think that maybe talking about hell seems maybe too harsh and too depressing. But Jesus himself was not afraid to communicate truth about the reality of hell. In Matthew chapter 13, verses 40 through 42, this is Jesus speaking. He says, Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And just think about that. Weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, I do want to be careful to not speculate too much because I don't think we need to try to go further than what the Bible tells us about what hell may be like. But I do think that when someone weeps and gnashes their teeth, grinds their teeth, there is extreme psychological torment happening. And so I do believe that in hell, that that's part of the consequence, part of the consequence of choosing not to give yourself to the Lord Jesus is ironically that you get to live eternity with exactly what you wanted. You get to spend eternity without Jesus, without God and without 
the paradise that he has created for those who have turned to him. And I think the consequence, one consequence of that is weeping and gnashing of teeth that is, that is caused by this psychological torment. And what I mean is a deep regret, a regret that you can't even fathom on this earth, on this side of eternity, where you are in darkness and in possibly some kind of physical suffering, yet you are psychologically, you cannot escape it. And it's just playing over, over, and over in your head forever and forever how you missed out and how you did not turn yourself to Jesus and how you lost. You lost out on eternal life and you're just constantly weeping and gnashing your teeth because that's all you can feel. That's all you can think about forever and forever and forever. And as John Bunyan uh, once said, he said that if there was an end, like if deep down you knew that this prison sentence would end, at some point you would be released, then perhaps there would be some sense of hope or relief but knowing that it will never end and that those thoughts must, also, must always just play over and over in your head forever and ever, there is constant weeping and gnashing of teeth and it never will end. This should make us uncomfortable. How could it not? How could we be so callous to our fellow man to know and understand that that is what is coming, yet we don't care? Because this is reality, whether we like it or not, whether you think I should have just spent time talking about it or not, I want us to think about this because we must realize what Jesus is saying. That this is real and what is at stake when we talk about sharing the good news of Jesus? This is not some just cute, cuddly thing that we're trying to do if we have time. Life or death forever is at stake. But don't you see now? Doesn't does taking a moment to think about how bad it is, don't you see now how good the news of Jesus is? See what we're being rescued from? See what you're being brought into? You are getting the Lord forever. You are getting all of the goodness of God forever. All the sad things, all the regrets, all the physical pain and suffering, all of the psychological torment you may be experiencing right now will be done away with and crucified and killed and vanished forever. And you only have joy. You only have peace. We can't even fathom how good our God is that he gives us this as a gift if we turn to him from our rebellion against him, but we turn to him and he has his arms open wide and he gathers you like a young child into his arms and says, you will be safe with me forever. So when we reflect, when we think about and we reflect and we take the time to meditate on that truth and how good it is, that is what will develop a sense of gratitude that compels us to share the gospel with others. It's following the example of Christ himself. It's a humility. It's a realization that the, of the goodness of God and that we're willing to sacrifice our time and comforts to share that with others. The gospel 
makes us others-focused because it constantly reminds us that we are no better than anyone else. So if you find yourself not caring much about other people and their well-being, I mean, I get that. It's hard. We are naturally selfish. Yes, amen? Yeah, we are. I am. It's a struggle. It is really difficult to, to find ourselves really, truly caring about others more than ourselves. But that's a gospel issue in our hearts. It's a gospel issue in our hearts that that lack of compassion and concern is ultimately, is ultimately a lack of gratitude for what you've been given. So meditating on the realities of the gospel, what we're being saved from and what we're being saved to really does develop a deep concern for people and their souls, for them to experience that hope. So nothing that we're, nothing that we're talking about in this, in this series, nothing over these four weeks really matters if we don't care, if we don't have that concern. So let's get even more practical. Speaking of people and having a concern, what, what are some of the kinds and types of people and beliefs that we might encounter as we seek to reach people with the gospel? Well, that's the next thing I want us to kind of shift our focus to now. Okay, so let's say, okay, pastor, I, I get that. We need to care. We need to be concerned. And the gospel is what's going to drive that concern. But who? I mean, like what, what kinds of people am I supposed to be sharing with? Or a better way to put it is, what kinds of people may we encounter? Now, I want to be clear. There are really only two types of people in the world, okay? You are either in good standing before a holy God or you are not, right? So ultimately, that, that's it, right? There's no middle ground. There's no purgatory. You're either in good standing before God or you are not in good standing legally before a holy and perfect God, the Father judge. So you are either safe in his arms because of your faith in Jesus or you're not. So, but, but, for, those, but for those who have not believed in Jesus and, and trusted him to be their savior, there are infinite reasons as to why that may be the case. So, in fact, as you read the New Testament, you know what you see when you see Jesus or the disciples or the Apostle Paul, right? When you see them encountering people, it's all kinds of people. I mean, they're, they're sharing hope with all kinds of people, right? With rich and poor, with strong and weak, with people who have it look like they put together on the outside with people who obviously don't have it put together on the outside. All kinds of people on the spectrum, Jesus, his disciples, Paul, in the New Testament, others, right? We see all kinds of different types of people with backgrounds, different stories, different beliefs. Well, the same thing is going to be true for us today, and we need to be ready for that, right? So we need to be prepared, and we need to think about this. What are some of the challenges that we're going to encounter when we seek to share this wonderful news of Jesus with people in our lives. So I want to give you a list here, on, and you'll see it on the screen. Now, this is, not, this is not exhaustive, okay? So I know there are more examples than what I'm about to give you. I'm, I'm aware of that. But I think 
I do think these are some of the more common types of uh, people, especially in America today, in terms of uh, different beliefs or excuses, perhaps, as to why they do not believe. So the first one uh, that would, would be the antagonist. All right, so the antagonist would say something like this. Uh, I, I am opposed to Christian beliefs, right? So I'm opposed to Christian beliefs. Religion, in fact, is detrimental to society. We'll never move forward as long as religion is in our society. So that would be kind of the extreme end of one spectrum, right, uh, of this spectrum. So in a, the antagonist who is hostile to the gospel message, they do not want to hear it. They want nothing to do with it. They believe it's all hogwash, okay? Second type of person would be a little further on the spectrum, just indifferent, right? J just indifferent. This person would say, perhaps, you know, I don't see a need for God in my life. Uh, I'm okay if that's what you think, right? But I'm generally satisfied with my life. I'm pretty happy. So I don't really want to hear your message because I just really don't care, right? Again, you can share it with other people, just maybe not with me, right? So not as much hostility here, just, I, I don't know, I don't really, don't really care. My I like my life. I like it fine, right? The third type of person would be a sinner. Now, this is in quotation marks. See the quotation marks, right? For a reason, okay? So we're all sinners. I just want to be very clear here, okay? We are all sinners. You just heard me say that, right? So this person, though, would label themselves, right, exclusively as a sinner. So this person would say, man, I don't, I don't mind your beliefs, and I may, have been I may have been raised in the church and religious, but it didn't work out. And I've made a lot of mistakes, and I'm too far gone. I am too far gone for the grace of God. There's no way he's getting to me. You don't know what I've done. So this person, there's more self-loathing. There's more self-pity, and they think that there's no way they can get to God. The next type of person would be spiritual. Spiritual, not in the good biblical sense of the word. This person would say, I'm interested in the spiritual world. Uh, I'm open to whatever works, Christian or not, right? So they may be into meditation, right? They don't believe in Jesus as the Lord and Savior exclusively of the world, but they may meditate. Um, they may practice other, you know, they may pick and choose from, you know, something from Buddhism, something from Hinduism, you know, or something in the natural world that makes them feel better, right? So there's, there's all kinds of spiritual uh, realities in their mind, but Jesus is not the exclusive savior of the world. The next type of person could be a searcher. Now, a searcher would probably say something like this. I know, I know something is missing in my life. I'm just not sure what it is. So they're open, right? They're open to hearing and receiving a message of good news because they know something isn't quite right with their own heart. The next person, the next two really, would both be labeled religious, but different forms, different religions. So the first religious person you may encounter would be someone of another religion, right? So someone that maybe lives next to you or you work with, they would say, I believe in blank as my God, right? So whatever other foreign God of any world religion they would profess to believe, right? Any false God out there, uh, they would claim is their God, okay? Their religion. The other 
And last, lastly, the other type of person would be religious, but they would call themselves a Christian. So this would be a nominal Christian. In other words, a Christian really just in name only or association. Well, my grandparents were Christians and they took me to church, so yeah, I'm a Christian. Right? Or I visited you know, around some different churches over the years. That's about it. So sure, I'm a Christian. Right? This is a lot. Now, population-wise, I don't have the statistics, but I know that I meet people like this all the time. Oh, sure, I'm a Christian. Oh, where do you go to church? Well, who's the pastor there? Ah, just saying, all right? So this person would say, though, right, I try really hard. I try really hard to be a good person. I try really hard to get right with God. I believe in Jesus. I hope that if I'm a really good person and prove my religious devotion in this life, God will let me into heaven when I die. So I think, I think that this list is, is just an example. Again, there's, there's other types, right? But, but this is, I think, some of the more common belief systems and types of people that, yes, you may encounter very well when you're seeking to get to know someone in hopes of sharing the gospel with them eventually. So we have to be aware of this. Now, lastly, the context in which we are going to find these people. The context in which we actually need to be sharing with these types of people or someone else. In other words, where? Where should we be looking for opportunities to share Christ with others? Listen to this in Matthew 9. In Matthew 9, 35 through 38, says, and Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, some of them, all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and what was he doing? Proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and he is making a physical difference as well, right? He's meeting not just their spiritual need, he's also meeting their physical need. Look what he's doing. He's healing every disease and every affliction. Only some of the diseases, only some of the afflictions, everyone. Verse 36, when he saw the crowds, how did he feel? He had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And so what does Jesus look to his disciples and say? He says, then he said to his disciples, the harvest, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Jesus is filled in his heart with compassion and concern for others because he is looking at all these different types of peoples with different stories, different backgrounds, different stages of life, yet he is filled with compassion on every single one of them around him because he sees the need. But he turns to his disciples, and I think essentially he's saying, so what are you guys going to do about this? We're going from city to city and village to village and we're healing their diseases and we're proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. But hey, Peter, hey, John, hey, James, you know what? I'm not gonna be here forever. And so I think Jesus is going ahead and training his disciples to think, right? And when I say Jesus is not gonna be here forever, he's going to ascend into heaven, right? So he's gonna leave the disciples on earth to finish the mission. So I think he's training them to think in that way. Hey, See, all of these people, they all need the hope. Not just some of them, all of them. And so again, Jesus is our model. And notice, there's no limitation as far as where he's looking for opportunities to proclaim the gospel. So where should we be looking? Where should we be looking for opportunities to do just this? 
to share the, the hope of Christ with others. Well, in short, everywhere, right? The harvest is all around us. The need is great. But with that in mind, I believe it's also good for us to strategically think about where God has already put us, right? He's already put you somewhere. And so that's your mission field. I believe God has put every single one of us where we are in our homes, our workplaces, the places we socialize, right? All these places are intentional. Our sovereign God does not have his people just aimlessly wandering around this planet. He has you where you are in the stage of life you're in for a very good reason. It is meaningful, it is purposeful, it's significant, but we must be obedient. So we all have circles of influence where we can truly make a difference by sharing this hope of Christ with people who don't know him. You know, you hear the saying, bloom where you're planted, right? Well, how about plant where you're blooming, right? I mean, I made that up this week. Could be totally off here. But (laughs) in other words, wherever you are already, hear me out, wherever you're already living your life, start planting the seeds of the gospel there. Start reaching people there where Christ already has you. And so there's, there's a couple of really good and neat exercises in two different Bible studies I was looking at. One from Pastor Greg Laurie I mentioned earlier and one from Tim Keller. So based on those, kind of mashing them together a little bit, I thought this would be helpful for us to do a little exercise today to really bring this down to earth. Now, we usually don't do stuff like this in the service, all right? But I thought, you know what? We're talking about it, and I could tell you to go home and think about this and write it down, or we could just do it right now right here, right? So let's do it right now right here, okay? So take out that slip of paper in the seat next to you or the one that you sat on and you didn't realize it, right? So that slip of paper, take that out, and get a pen or something to write with. Here's what I want you to do. We're gonna think about where we already are. So I'm not even asking you, look, this is easy in in a way, right? I'm not even asking you to think about somewhere you're not. (laughs) I'm not asking you to go anywhere new. I'm just asking you to think about where you already are, where God has already placed you in your life, the way where you spend your time, week to week, day to day. Now, I want you to write the name of someone in each of these categories of whose salvation you are unsure. And just be honest, okay? Now, you don't don't show this list to anyone else. Definitely not to that person, okay? (laughs) Don't, this is your list. You keep it private. You keep it with you somewhere where you can see it and think about it and pray for these people moving forward. But just take a moment. Who in your family... Maybe it's a distant cousin. Could be your parent. Could be your child. Could be a brother, a sister. Who in your family, you're pretty sure there's no evidence that they know Jesus. They need the gospel. Write that name down. Who do you live beside? Maybe in your apartment complex, your townhome, your house. Who do you live beside? Perhaps your dorm, your dorm room. Who do you live beside who doesn't know Jesus? And hey, listen, maybe they do, but you don't know that because you've never talked to them. (laughs) 
So that's fair. Write their name down, right? The key is here that you're unsure. I'm not saying that you definitely know. I'm saying that you're unsure. So you're not, you don't even know if they're a Christian or not. Write their name down. Hey, if they are, if you talk to them and they are, that's great. All right. What coworker, or maybe someone you do business with, a business associate, what coworker, or somewhere in your corporate world, or at your job, wherever you are, doesn't know Jesus? Or at least you don't know if they do. You've never heard them say anything about going to church. You've never heard them say anything about Jesus. It's never come up. Write that name down. Now, the next one's a little more broad and general intentionally. Where do you spend your time outside of work, outside of the home? Maybe it's your kids' ball games. You take your kids to baseball or soccer, the practice, the other parents that are there, write their name down. Maybe you do online gaming, right? And you communicate and talk a lot to this person, and, they're, and that way they're a friend. Maybe write that name down. Maybe you're in the school marching band and you sit next to this guy and you don't know, write their name down. And lastly, the category that's kind of there for someone that doesn't fit in any of those others, just a friend. A friend you've had for a while, you keep up with them every now and then, maybe you're really close. Maybe you talk to them every week. They don't know Christ. Now, I want you to take this list. I want you to keep it safe and secure. It's just for you. Don't show it to anyone else. Take that list home and pray. Pray through that list. You know, what a beautiful first step, right? What a great first practical step. I'm not asking you to call them today. Maybe you need to, but I'm not asking you to do that. I'm just asking you to start praying for them and to start praying and asking the Lord to give you a concern for that person, for these people. And maybe you just need to start at the top. Maybe you just need to start at the bottom and work your way up. I don't know. Maybe just one name at a time. Maybe there's one name that's just bouncing off the page in your mind and your heart right now and the Holy Spirit's convicting you and telling you, this one, this person, this person. You need to pray for this person. You need to pray that I'll soften your heart to share with this person. You see, this isn't just a theological truth for us to chew on. And that's what I want us to see today. This isn't just another sermon that we get to go home and think, oh, well, you know, he's right. I should probably, probably do that. This is something that we have to think about. We must. We don't have time to keep our head in the clouds about this issue. We don't have time to let another day go by without us praying earnestly for the salvation of those we love. There's a lost world out there. And there are real people with real names and real lives and real consequences, just like you, that need the hope of Jesus. So for the next couple of weeks, guess what? We're going to get even more practical. 
So we're going to get even more practical and talk about how. How can I talk to that neighbor? How, what are some things I can do to really get to know this friend better or this coworker or this family member? So we're going to talk about these things. But I want us to close today by praying for the people you wrote down. So I want us to spend a minute in prayer. And, and would you make a commitment? Would you make that commitment to pray for them over these next couple of weeks through the end of this sermon series and beyond, but at least for these next two weeks as we talk in more detail about how to share Jesus with these folks? Make that commitment right now. Ask the Lord to help you. Use this next minute to do that. But, but before we pray, maybe you're here today and you are one of these people. Listen, we don't want to embarrass you and we're not asking you to do anything that would be embarrassing. I'm just asking you in your own heart right now before the Lord to get real with him. And just be honest with him and say, God, I think I am one of those religious nominal Christians. I don't know that I've ever really given my heart to you. I've given some religious devotion, but not really my heart. Maybe you're a searcher. Maybe you're here today with a friend or a family member and you weren't expecting it, but the Lord is speaking to your heart. Wherever you are and whoever you are, I want you to know that Jesus loves you. And he wants you. And you can absolutely be his today. You can pray and ask the Lord to be your, your Lord and Savior. And if you do that or if you want to do that or need to talk more about that, come up and find me after the service. Find one of our staff after the service. We'd love to talk with you more and help you think through that and, and make that decision for Christ. So I want us to pray. If you wrote down those names, let's take a minute and let's pray for those people.